0: Welcome friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, First Christian. Happy New Year. We wanna welcome all of you in the room. We wanna welcome those of you who are joining us online as well as those who are listening in on Way FM. We are so glad all of you are here. I am so glad that those of you in the room have decided to not skip church today. I know it would have been easy to stay away since yesterday was New Year's Day, but you are here today, and today is a really important day. Now, of course, every Sunday is really important, but today we are kicking off a new series for the new year called Driving on Empty, and we are going to discover how to refuel our tank when we feel like we are running on fumes. And I just wanna kick it off by sharing with you two very thought-provoking verses of Scripture. In Exodus chapter 18... Verses 17 and 18, here's what it says. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is, what? Not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is to heavy for you, you cannot do it alone. What you're doing is not good, you will only wear yourselves out, the work is too heavy for you, you cannot do it alone. How many of you can feel the weight of those words This morning. And if if those words, if, if they take your breath away or cause you to deeply exhale to release some stress, then this series is for you. But before we talk about you, let's talk about me and my wife. Now, my wife and I have been married for 22 years. And when you've been married for 22 years, you pretty much know everything, and I mean everything, about each other. I mean, you know each other's successes, you know each other's failures, you know each other's victories and defeats, you know each other's greatest attributes, and let's be honest, you know each other's deepest sins. And you learn, you learn to celebrate each other's strengths and at least tolerate each other's weaknesses. And I'm not gonna stand on stage today and lie to you. I have many weaknesses that my wife has learned to tolerate, some of the greater variety, others of the lesser variety, but are rather irritating nonetheless. Now, of the greater variety, wouldn't you like to know? And me being the new guy, well, we don't know each other well enough for that yet. Of the lesser variety, well, things like picking my toenails. I don't need toenail clippers. I just pick them off in the bed at night, which drives Janice crazy. Doesn't seem like a big deal to me. And sipping my coffee. I love to sip my coffee. In fact, I love to sip all of my drinks, but that sipping sound drives Janice crazy. But you know, she has some weaknesses too. Not many, uh, but there is this one, and I have her permission to share. This one that she would actually, the reason I have her permission is she thinks it's a strength, but it's not. It's a weakness. She has this ability to drive her car until it's on its very last drop of gasoline and then at the last minute pull it into the gas station right before running out of gas. And it drives me crazy. And it's not just her current car. She's done it as long as I've known her. And it it, it drives me nuts because she knows if she needs to drive my car, she's not gonna have to refill the gas tank while she's out. But I can be sure 100% of the time if I need to drive her car, there's a real good chance that gas gauge is gonna be on empty. And now they have these, you know, these automotive engineers, these bad, bad people who want to wreck my stress levels. They have made these digital gauges called DTE or drive to empty, which basically tells you how many miles you can go before you run out of gas. You know what I'm talking about? I remember one day several years ago, Janice was getting ready for work and and she said, hey, can I drive your car to work today? And, And I said, sure, why? And she said, well, I need to get gas on my way to work and I don't have time. And I said, okay, go ahead. And then later I got in her car and I pushed the DTE button and it said five miles to empty. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I took out my phone. I took a picture of the DTE readout. I texted it to Janice. I said, "Are you kidding me?" And, and and we lived out in the countryside south of Chicago and there wasn't a gas station within 3 miles of our house. And I was sweating bullets because I had to take the kids to school before I would hit a gas station. Thankfully, I didn't run out of gas. Now, speaking of running out of gas, incredibly, in our 22 years of marriage, Janice has run out of gas only once, and it was eight or so years ago, and she called me one morning, and she said, hey, I'm at the Walgreens, and I said, okay, what's up? And she said, well, I ran out of gas, and I was wondering if you could bring me some, and she said, are you upset? And I said, no, I've been waiting on this call for 15 minutes years you know there are two kinds of people in this world there are reasonable people who fill their gas tank when it gets to around a quarter of a tank maybe between a quarter and a half a tank and then there are crazy people who like to live on the edge now if you're a person who refills your tank well before it's on e raise your hand oh yeah I like y'all. If you're a crazy person who likes to drive on empty, raise your hand. Well, there are a number of you. Some of you are holding your spouse's arms up. I love that. Well, well, let me just state the obvious as we kick off a new series today. And the obvious is, it is better to refuel your tank than to run out of gas. Can I get an amen? amen? It is better to refill your tank than to run out of gas. That is our big idea for today. That's our big idea for this entire series. It is better to refill your tank than to run out of gas. And, and of course, you probably sense this already. We've just moved from the literal to the metaphorical. And we're not talking about our cars anymore. Now we're talking about our souls. Now, your soul is yourself. Your soul is the sum total of your life. It's your body, your mind, your emotions, and your spirit together as one whole person. Your soul is who you are. And one thing I have discovered in 45 years of life and 25 years of church work is there are a lot of souls driving around on empty. There was a survey taken, it was back in 2017, it was by the National Safety Council, and it discovered that 97% of Americans, 97% have at least one major risk factor associated with chronic fatigue. Further, they discovered only one in seven Americans even feel rested when they wake up in the morning. And those numbers were before COVID. I cannot imagine what they would look like today. I gotta tell you, I'm just being real honest here. I am more exhausted today and more worn out today than I have ever been before. I mean, everything feels heavier today than it did even two years ago. Any of you feel the same way? Well, if that's you, I want you to consider two things. Number one, you might be driving on empty. And number two, it is better to refuel your tank than to run out of gas. And that's why this sermon series is so important because so many of us are driving around on empty. Now, I don't drive on empty in my car, but I do in my life. You know, I like to keep the pedal to the metal in my personal life, and my professional life, but there are definite risks for people who don't know how to refill their tanks. If 97% of us have at least one major health risk factor for chronic fatigue, and if just one in seven of us feel rested when we wake up in the morning, then the vast majority of us need to badly need to heed the lessons we're going to learn in this series. And I certainly know that I do. And so in this series, we're gonna learn how to do two things. Number one, we're gonna learn how to run our engines more efficiently, and number two, we're gonna learn how to refuel our tanks more regularly. And to illustrate what we're talking about, I wanna take you to Exodus chapter 18. Now, if you have a Bible, go ahead and get that out. If you have a Bible app on your smartphone, go ahead and open that up. I want you to get to Exodus 18 because it's a big chapter. We're gonna cover the whole thing. If you don't have either one, then you can go to Exodus 18 on BibleGateway.com. We want you there. Exodus 18. Let me tell you, as you're moving there, let me give you some background. Here's what's happening in Exodus 18. Moses had just led, he had just led the Hebrew slaves out of Egyptian bondage. You know the story, right? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. You remember that? You know, the 10 plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. Moses had just delivered the Hebrew slaves from Egyptian bondage and they're wandering in the wilderness, they're waiting on God to lead them to their new homeland and make them into a great nation as he had promised their ancestor Abraham. And there is a million of them. There's a million of them. That's an extraordinary amount of liberated slaves, and Moses is their leader, and he threw himself so fully into leading them that he didn't have time for anything else. And I think, I, I think, I think this put a tremendous strain on Moses and his family. In fact, as we're about to read Exodus chapter 18, we're gonna see that family problems may have been Moses' warning lights. Family problems may have been warning lights. Now, if, if you're one of those crazy people who likes to drive your car on empty, then you know there are warning lights on the dashboard that turn red to remind you that you're almost out of gas, And in the same way, when you're running on empty, when we are running on empty in our lives, with our souls, there are warning lights. And for Moses, I think there's some evidence of some problems within his family, specifically with his wife and his sons. Exodus chapter 18, verses two through seven says this. After Moses had Sent away. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and their two sons. One was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. The other was named Eliezer, for he said, my father's God was my helper and he has saved me from the sword of the Pharaoh. Now, if you know the story of Moses, you probably didn't know he was married and had kids. verse five, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. And Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, I'm coming to you with your wife and her two sons. And so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and he bowed down and he kissed him and they greeted each other and then they went into the tent. Now, many scholars believe Moses sent his wife and sons away before he confronted Pharaoh and delivered the Hebrews. The text doesn't actually tell us. That is possible, but it's also possible that he sent them away after the Exodus from Egypt. And perhaps he was so busy leading the Hebrews, that's the context of Exodus 18, he was so busy, so overwhelmed with leading the Hebrews that he didn't have time for anything else. Perhaps he was doing his job at the expense of his family and perhaps this was causing trouble at home and so Moses sent his family to his father-in-law Jethro and his father-in-law brings them right back and if that is indeed what happened then Jethro is a model father-in-law supporting his daughter's marriage not subverting it Perhaps Moses had trouble at home. Trouble at home is a warning light that you might be running on empty. Now, what are some other warning lights that might indicate you're running on empty? Psychology Today, the, the magazine, gives us a startling but helpful list of warning signs. They actually call them, it's perfect for the series, they call them indicators for high-octane people and they list warning lights, chronic fatigue, insomnia, forgetfulness, impaired concentration, physical symptoms like chest pains, heart palpitations, nausea, Headaches, increased illness due to low immune system, loss of appetite, unhealthy weight loss, sometimes weight gain, anxiety leading to tension, worry and edginess, depression leading to feelings of guilt and worthlessness, anger starting with irritability leading to outbursts and heated arguments. If any of those or several of those warning lights are going off on the dashboard of your soul right now, then you might be driving on empty. Well, let's get back to Exodus chapter 18 where we discover that Moses' success, his successes are what led to his struggles. And let me say that again because I think it's really important. Moses' successes led to many of his struggles. You know, so often we think, well, if if I could earn more, if I could have more, if I could succeed more, then my life would be easier. But that's not always true. In fact, that's not often true. And it wasn't true for Moses either. Check out Exodus chapter 18. We're gonna be in verses eight through 16. It says, Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships that they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. And Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel and rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. And he said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you out of the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh who, who, and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. And, and now I know the Lord is greater than all other gods for he did this to, to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, he brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him all day from morning until evening. And when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around and they come to you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, he's like, because it's my job. He says, because because the people come to me and they seek God's will, and whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and, and I have to decide between the parties and I have to inform them of, of God's decrees and God's instructions. I mean, there, there, contextually, there are so many things for Moses and Jethro to celebrate here. They saw God work up close and personal. They saw the oppressed delivered from bondage. They saw the unjust humbled by God's justice. They saw God elevate Moses from a humble nomad to, to superstar status. God had given Moses a task, and Moses had acquitted himself marvelously, accomplishing all that God had called him to do. The Exodus was a success. And now Moses was the leader of all these Hebrew people and he was a powerful man, but he was a worn out man who may have been having troubles at home. Fatigue was setting in. Relationships were suffering. He was running on empty. And so in the final verses of Exodus 18, Jethro essentially says to Moses, he says, if you don't choose to change now, you will be forced to change later. Choose to change now or be forced to change later. Exodus 18 verses 17 through 23. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Then Jethro says, Listen, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them His decrees and instructions, and show them where they're to live and how they're to, be- to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judge for the people at all times. But have them bring the most difficult cases to you. The other cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands you will be able to stand the strain and the people will go home satisfied. And guess what happened? Moses listened to his father-in-law. He did not ignore his wise advice. He did not tune him out. He listened and here's what happened. Moses stewarded his energy by changing how he handled his responsibilities. He stewarded his energy by changing how he handled his responsibilities. And so what does that mean for you and me today? Well, I wanna share three things with you that Wayne Cordero says about stewarding your energy in his book, Leading on Empty, which by the way, that book is the inspiration for this series. So three things Wayne Cordero says about stewarding your energy. And by the way, stewarding, to steward something means to handle something wisely. So three truths about stewarding your energy. Here's the first one. Your greatest asset is not time. Your greatest asset is energy. Now time is one of our most precious commodities, but energy is even more important. And a person with energy can accomplish more in four hours than a person lacking energy can accomplish in four days. Think about it like this. You might have the time to do something, but if you don't have the energy to do it, it won't get done. Or, or at least it won't get done well. And, and let me say this as well. The older we get, the less energy we have, and I think I'm old enough by now to say that and to know that. The older we get, the less energy we have. I, used to have. I used to be able to go full speed until midnight. Sometimes I could stay up until 2 a.m., whether it was extra work at night or hanging out with friends or just watching television. I could stay up until the early hours of the morning, but today, no way. And I stayed up till midnight, Friday night. This morning, I woke up, and I, I didn't wanna wake up It was just a a few years ago that Janice and I were looking for a party on Friday nights and now we're in bed by 9.30 and we're asleep by 10.30. Even on Friday nights. And sometimes we'll, we'll look over at each other and we'll be like, what is wrong with us? Why are we so tired? Second truth. Each of us has a finite amount of energy to invest each day. As I said, it used to seem like I had all the energy in the world. Now, I didn't have all the energy in the world, but it seemed like I did. I used to have, here's what the reality was. I used to have more energy than responsibilities, and now I have more responsibilities than energy. In other words, my fuel is in limited supply. My energy levels are Finite. I can no longer run full speed for 18 hours a day like I could in my 20s. I can still run full speed for about 12 hours a day, so that's good, but I also know that that 12 will become eight hours a day and maybe less. But again, I used to have more energy than responsibilities. Now I have more responsibilities than energy, and so I have to steward my energy so that I can fulfill my God-given responsibilities. And what that means is I've gotten to a place in my life where I cannot say yes to everything. And I have to say no to many things. And then I have to use this filter where I say, if it's not one of my essentials, then I need to say no, rather than yes. And that's the third thing. You need to invest your energy. That limited supply of energy you have must be invested in your essentials first. If you're running on empty, then you need to learn to say no to many things. If you want to refuel your tank because you're running on fumes, you need to add no to your vocabulary with a vengeance. Don't be a yes man or woman. The older we get, the less energy we have. It becomes more and more important that we invest our energy first and foremost in our essentials. And I want you to consider the four essentials all of us must invest our energy in if we are going to refuel our tanks. Here's the first thing. And this is priority number one. It is the most important. Your faith in God. Invest your energy in your faith in God, in your spiritual journey. If you don't have faith in God, then you are missing out on the most important part of your humanity and the number one key Refueling your tank We talked a few weeks ago About daily time with God You need to have daily time with God Number two You need to invest your energy In your family and your friends That is what makes life Truly worth living It's not all the people it's, or it's, It is all the people It's not all the accomplishments It's the people Relationships with people Healthy Key word here Healthy relationships with people Number three Food and physical health. I think this is one that we often don't invest in, but if you don't eat healthy foods and pursue a healthy body, then you are not going to have the energy you need to be who God made you to be. And then number four is finances and profession. If your finances aren't healthy, then you aren't healthy And if you don't have a way to provide for your family, then your family won't be healthy. Your profession and your finances are part of your essentials. Say, what do I invest my energy in? Faith in God, family and friends, food and physical health, finances and profession. These are some of the essentials that we're gonna be discussing in this series so that you you can refuel your tank so that you can run your engine more efficiently, and hopefully hopefully, have the best year you've had in years. And that brings us to our takeaway for today. I wanna encourage you, I wanna challenge you, I specifically wanna speak to those of you who are online. Be at FCC for the next five Sundays. Be here, be together, be in this room. Be at FCC over the next five Sundays and discover how to refill your tank for your best year yet. Be here at FCC the next five weeks. If you're already a part of FCC, prioritize being here. If you're a guest today, if you're like the first Sunday of the year, I'm gonna go to church. If you're a guest today, give us five weeks. Five weeks to get to know us. And to discover a better way to a better future. And then one other thing is you're saying, I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna be fully connected to FCC. I wanna encourage you to invite a friend as well. Enthusiastically share your faith. You invite a friend for the next five weeks and they will be glad you did. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this gathering, for these people, for this life that you've given us. Help us to embrace it as we embrace you. Help us to enjoy it as we enjoy you. Energize us, Lord, that we may fulfill all the things you've called us to do. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God and the only Savior, we pray. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at fccfm.org.